colored folklore. Where does that name come from? Last time we answered a little bit of the colored part. Today, let's tackle some more. How folk met lore, and what's the difference between the two? Answered for you here and now on the Colored Folklore Podcast. Episode 0.2, Podcast Exploration, Folklore. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone in between and beyond, welcome again to the Colored Folklore Podcast. This is our second episode, and once again, it's not a full episode. This is more of a partial episode, more of a starting place, more of a peek behind the curtain about folklore in and of itself. Or, better yet, what can be categorized as folklore, or might perhaps be a myth, or a fairy tale, or a legend? Because if there's one thing human beings like doing, it's slapping labels on stuff. If you've already listened to our first episode, you'll see that this is not exactly the way that we do business around here, but more of a zero episode, a prequel, if you like, a breaking down of the magic behind our name, Colored Folklore. Last time, we went over Colored. This time, we'll go over Folklore. Right off the bat, I'm sure there are many y'all thinking... Wait, wait a minute. Folklore, fairy tales, this is all the same thing, right? Or that uh, a bunch, or maybe even more of you, is like, uh, you're just raging against that compartmentalization machine, right? I mean, I, hey, I know I was. Before I started up with fairy tale and folklore studies, which by the way, is absolutely as awesome as it friggin' sounds. I was like, come on, man, stop splitting hairs. A story is a story is a story. But contraire, mon frere, not only is that not the case, it took me, I don't know, seriously, like three days to be like, holy smokes, I was wrong. I was, I was so wrong. So what we're doing today is giving you the standard and pretty much accepted definition of what folklore is. Then I'll give you a pretty conventional example from the past, and one that arguably might fit here in the present. But before we do that, we're going to go over a whole host of other labels. Uh, tall tales, folk tales, duck tales. Woo! Come on, I mean, I'm sure any child of the 80s was thinking the exact same thing, you know? <laughs> you, uh, you, you weren't? Really? Well, alrighty then, uh, on to the first label. We're going to start with an epic. And I know, I know, I know, I know. This might not exactly be where most fabulists start when defining these things, but... I wanted to. And since it's my show, sit down and shut up. Uh, An epic has traditionally been defined as a genre of poetry. This is specifically a piece of writing that I think is safe to say started off as poetry and has since expanded to a number of other mediums, such as what is most recognized in this day and age as film. That encompasses some sort of heroic deeds and is rather long. One clutch historic example would be the Mesopotamian 
Epic of Gilgamesh, which is widely considered to be the first epic. Sidebar, if you haven't read it, I would highly suggest it. Not just because it's an interesting story, but also it's a glimpse into how stories used to be told, such as what elements were left out and what elements were left in and repeated ad nauseum. Trust me, if you've read it or if you're going to read it, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, It most definitely makes me smile. So check it out if you get the chance. I'll link to it in the show notes. There are many, many modern examples, just as there are subgenres to the epic, uh, such as the epic Western. But today, we're going to look at epic fantasy. For our modern example, we have Tolkien's Lord of the Rings saga. This popular set of novels turned films explore the realm of Middle-earth where a whole host of fantastic creatures from orcs to elves to the most terrifying of the bunch, human beings, live in not-so-harmonious times. Next in line, we have a parable. Now, the main point of a parable is that it distinctly teaches you a lesson, or lessons, plural. It can be put in the same group as a metaphor or a simile, and is usually a short narrative that seems to be employed most often when trying to deliver a moral lesson, such as in religious text. Classically, this can be found in the Bible as well as the Quran, both of which I would also recommend someone read. Wherever this plays with your religious and or spiritual leanings or does not play, there's always something that can be either learn. You know what? I'm stepping through this minefield because I don't want to be a jerk and I'm trying to be sensitive, but I just realized it's, uh, it's in the wrong way. I'm, I'm trying to find the moderate path. Oh, I love that word. The moderate path. Yeah, I'm trying to find the in-between, that path of, of delicately balancing between things and it's, you know, it's not me. It's not really what I want to get across here. So I'm sorry. I'm going to rephrase. The Bible, the Quran. A lot of stories in both. A lot of lessons they're trying to teach. It's as simple as that. And I think regardless of where you personally sit, it's beneficial to read things. Especially if you hold something dearly, please, please make sure you have, I don't know, at least read it in full before you act or say something, you know, just an idea. It's just saying. Now, a modern example of a parable would be, and I'm sorry, I'm going in the religious direction again. I'm not sorry that it's religious, just sorry that I didn't give a contrast here, but Black Mirror Season 5, Episode 2, Smithereens. If you don't see the religious overtones, just maybe watch it again. But this parable involves, as most of, you know, actually all Black Mirror episodes, technology. Here we see human beings' reliance and obsession with social media and mobile-slash-cellular technology. And we get to see Andrew Scott in beast mode straight up. Uh, But, uh, I mean, to be fair, does he have any other mode? I say nay. Next up, Fable. Oh, yeah. Not a super hip mid-aughts comic book by the now criminally defunct Vertigo publishing arm of DC Comics, but a type of short narrative that is so similar to a parable 
that there are pieces upon pieces written about the difference between the two, and really it's just one little bitty detail. The stable of a fable, the staple of a fable, that doesn't really work, you know, it's, I'm going to scrap that. The main point of a fable is that there are an <laughs> there are anthropomorphized animals, plants, fantastic creatures, and or inanimate objects, or even forces of nature. Gale force winds. Gale force winds, I'm looking at you. A parable will go out of its way to root the tail in the, you know, sidebar again. Thanks, stuff they don't want you to know, guys, for letting me borrow the quote sound. Matt, Ben, and Noel, Amazing. Whoosh, whoosh. This is a quote sound. So whenever there's quotes around something, you go whoosh, whoosh, in a podcast and people know what you're talking about. Whoosh, whoosh. The real world and its message is implicit or covered within the parable. A fable is friggin' Looney Tunes and it holds its moral at the end explicitly. And, and I don't mean Looney Tunes as a diss. It's, it's literally like merry melodies. They're are so many classical versions that it's impossible choosing just one, so we won't. Cue Aesop's Fables. Totally first book I ever remember reading that is next to Stephen King's Christine, Call of the Wild, and The Secret of the Seven Crows, but hey, that's a weird, nerdy youth discussion for another day. Aesop, 7th, 6th century BCE fabulist, who may or may not have really existed at all, has an incredible number of tales credited to him, such as the tortoise and the hare, and the lion and the mouse, and a whole other number of tales that read as the same, but are changed in other cultures to represent local customs, animals, etc., etc. So, now, I'm going to give you the chance to pause the podcast, because I want you to guess which modern fable example we're going to go with today. So whenever you're ready, just go ahead and just pause it. Pause it. Think to yourself, hmm. Hopefully you didn't have to think that hard because our example, Pendleton Ward's Adventure Time. An animated television show first shown on Cartoon Network in the United States and then picked back up by HBO Max was first led by a talking dog and his mm, tween best friend, their companions being a talking Game Boy, a Frankensteinish microwave, a vampire, a nearly immortal woman made out of candy. And that's just the beginning. The series is seriously genius. Please, for the love of all that is good, if you haven't seen it yet, definitely check it out. Next up, we're going to take a look at old wives' tales. Or not, because it pains me during moments like these because... The fact that we even have to do this dance. I mean, come on. This is a misogynistic term, period. Just, it just it is. Look, uh, look to the show notes. There are a multitude of individuals that don't think so. And there are even more that can eloquently argue with all that they're worth for why it is. I know, I know, especially as a fairy tale study student, you have to look through the lens of the era. Do not present judgments of social faux pas onto the past, etc., etc. I get it, and yes, I'm exhausted by this, but I also understand that in the nature of study, this is crucial. I get it, and uh, actually, I agree. When you're studying something, when you're putting the record to paper as 
correctly as a fallible human can do, you you must be as absolutely objective as possible. Analyze what happened, where, who was involved, why, and how, and just be factual. I support it. I I get it. That, however, is one of the best parts of his job. I don't necessarily have to do that. I mean, I will because I would appreciate your trust. And I'm operating out of a place of seeking knowledge and betterment for all humankind. So I am going to do what I feel is the right thing, but in my way. For instance, the definition of an old wives' tale. In brief, it's a superstition. It's in the same vein as an urban legend or uh, or folklore in how it's passed down generation to generation, particularly by old wives. It is in the name. These are systematically treated as verbal hodgepodge with untrustworthy claims, usually having something to do with some type of health, social, physical, mental, or otherwise. That's garbage, man. I mean, you're saying an older woman has nothing but nonsense to say? F*** out of here. I mean, for real. (sighs) Anyway, a classic example of this. The wheat and barley pregnancy test. A woman pees on a bag of wheat seeds and on a bag of barley seeds. If the wheat sprouts first, it's a boy. If the barley sprouts first, it's a girl. If neither sprout, the woman isn't pregnant at all. BT dubs, this doesn't work for a gender reveal, but it has a 70% chance of revealing that you're actually pregnant. Kind of crazy. This has been shown to be in use for thousands of years as an actual test, and it was probably about a hundred years or so ago that it became scoffable. Modern day OWT? Hey, just log on to Pinterest. There are a number of concoctions to help with everything from acne to hair loss, from weight gain to depression. Some, I'm sure, are well-founded and work wonders. Some, probably not so much. You know, one of my personal favorites, the colon cleanse. I mean, if there's an image on the pin of a jar with some type of murky liquid in it, man, you know, you know it's got to work. It's going to work. Our next contestant on the price, I mean, uh, the next term is tall tale. Now, (laughs) quick personal story about this that might help put the definition in place. My older brother, whenever talking about someone who tends to exaggerate the finer details of their story, he'll say, oh, but you know, they just, they like telling them tall tales. And I can pretty much hear him say that in my head whenever I read the term and it makes me laugh. So, A Tall Tale is a story that purposefully has some pretty crazy stuff going on, and the storyteller can tend to put themselves in the midst of the action. A classic tall tale? I mean, come on. Paul Bunyan. How American is that story, right? I mean, this giant dude makes lakes and rivers by hand, cuts down entire forests all by himself, and has a giant blue ox? <laughs> best part warms my heart. This is the best part about this, though. This dude was based on a real person and more than likely was a French-Canadian lumberjack. (laughs) Fort de Toile represent. Now, you can pretty easily trace how this story goes from, oh, yeah, I heard about this one dude, all the way to, and he stood 96 feet tall. But come on. I mean, just come on. Modern equivalent, big fish. 
I mean, just it's in the title itself. It announces what it's about. I once caught a fish this big. I have not yet had the chance to read the book. However, I did see the movie and I, I thought it was all right. It's okay. The real reason why I'm a little tepid on the movie is because I was blessed to see this stage show in Chicago. And that was fire. Father on his deathbed tells his son all the outrageous things that may (laughs) or may not have happened during his life. And with those five, we've trekked halfway up this storytelling mountain. As a recap, we went from epic to parable to fable to uh, old wives' tale to tall tale. We break not for our little adventure. There's the summit. Nice to see you. Quick selfie. Bye. Before we're marching down the other side. These now are the ones that I'm sure most everyone anywhere are relatively familiar with. But let's go ahead and test that. First up, myth. Now, I'm not a fan of generalization, and living on the extremes is not the way someone should gather their information. You hear someone say always or never, and you might as well just stop believing them or uh, just admit uh, it's hyperbole. (laughs) But, 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 I'm going to go out on a limb and say most everyone who has ever heard a story has probably heard some type of myth linked to our religion, to our spirituality, A myth will most always have some type of story that contains gods, demigods, and or humans, creatures, forces with a supernatural disposition. It can be seen how myths could be used among those in the ancient world to describe natural phenomena. Muller would be proud. Cultural phenomena. Duggan, I got your back. And psychological phenomena. Well, Freud, Jung, come on arguably said to hold a cornerstone in any modern society. I mean, look anywhere, from the names of the brands on our bodies to the planets in the sky, ancient entities and myths are woven into the fabric of our society. Classic example of a myth? Let's go with Medusa. Because, trust me, it is not what you remember. Just find and reread her story in its entirety so that you can see how things used to be trash. (laughs) Uh, He said used to be. A woman with snakes for her hair that can turn someone to stone just by looking at them. That is what she became. But oh, heavenly bodies in the sky, was she so much more. Femlore, and during their first iteration, was Feminist Folklore, is a podcast that has an amazing episode discussing this exact myth. A modern version of a myth now, this is where things get a little bit dicey. By its definition, a myth, myth is pretty old. So, for a myth to sprout up overnight might not be so much in line with its actual definition. Of course, there are modern reimaginings, which, I mean, it, they could fit here. Percy Jackson and the Olympians, first a book series and then a film duology. However, I like to think that there's a slightly better example. American Gods by Neil Gaiman. This is both a reimagining and a new beast entirely in how Gaiman weaves in different pantheons across regions and religions, and he assigns some new deities along the way, ones that absolutely make sense and that fit 
in the current social, political, and technological climate. And what comes right behind a myth but a legend? Seriously, I can't even think about myths without hearing and legends right after that. If you know what I'm talking about, which if you're listening to a podcast about folklore, you probably do. I'm sure that you agree. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it is one of type of podcast, just a all day long, at least to me and my listening habits, myths and legends. I've listened to Jason and Carissa's inaugural podcast ever since episode seven. I went back and listened to the other six, don't worry. And they're over 200 now, although this number is actually closer to 300 because they've had many multiple part shows. Much of what I do is inspired by and an homage to this podcast. So please, if you haven't had the chance to give them a listen, I couldn't suggest it enough. On to the legends. A legend, in my humble opinion, is a simple one to define. A narrative detailing human actions, believable actions, save for the miraculous storytelling <clears throat> The miraculous occurrence? Let's go with that. A legend purports that it's actually history, both believed but not exactly believed by both the storyteller and the listener alike. It's one of those, can't say I did, but you can't say I didn't. The Grimm brothers defined legend as a historically grounded folktale, and Tangerlini, a modern folklorist, went further to link a legend to the values of the group of people who developed the tradition around it. The classic example of a legend, King Arthur, baby. I have a soft spot for Arthurian lore, being that I was extremely blessed and honored to be able to portray this role in an immersive, site-specific feminist reimagining of Camelot in the vein of Mist of Avalon. And one of the things that I learned during a multitude of research for that role, ah, there are so many legends. Holy smokes. It's crazy. And, and it's just like the definition, it's it's grounded in historical fact. Merlin and Arthur are both based off of actual human beings. Read plural for the both of them. But there, there, there are a ton of other things that just shift over time. A modern day legend? The babe. Heroes live forever, but legends never die. I mean, seriously, Sandlot aside, there are arguments to be made that sports figures totally fit this category. Babe Ruth, though not known personally by anyone born in this millennia, is definitely known of and is the basis of many characters across mediums and his exploits, both professional and personal, are listed in book after book and expounded on by so many. I mean, this fits just as one can say Venus and Serena are living legends being, you know, Pound for pound, the greatest living athletes on the planet. That's right, I said it. Now, on to the final three. The one that everyone knows and loves made Disney a worldwide phenomena, the fairy tale. The mega supreme, the genre, the name, the lifestyle that everyone thinks of the instant they hear anything related to children's story or magic or magical children's story. All right, all right. That's hyperbole. Not everyone thinks this way, but seriously, Disney did quite a number on the collective mindset of generation after generation. We're basically indoctrined in the West to immediately start humming When You Wish Upon a Star 
whenever you hear the name fairy tale. This, just like legend and, in my book, can be pretty easy to define. It's magic. If you believe in magic, and I hope you do, that is most definitely as far as I'm going to take that terrible joke, but seriously, if the story has any number of fantastical creatures, such as fairies, witches, elves, giants, goblins, unicorns, trolls, vampires, werewolves, ah, okay, wait, wait, slow down, slipped into a whole other genre there. Basically, if the entity has some type of magical powers, or it has something to do with an enchantment, it's probably a fairy tale. First coin such as Cantu de Fay by our girl Madame Marie-Catherine Dulnois, late 17th century, a whole host of experts, trained and otherwise, have graced multiple continents in search of and study over fairy tales. Classic tale? You know, I'm going to go with Little Red Cap, which of course is better known as Little Red Riding Hood. This particular tale fascinates the ever-living bejesus out of me because... Oh, it is super deep. I don't think that I realized it until I studied it, but this story includes thematic underpinnings, <laughs> pun completely intended and definite respect to the story of grandmother, of rape in most all versions that I've ever encountered. It's uh, one of those things that before seeing it, I was like, ah, it's just a fairy tale. And then after seeing it, you're like, oh my God, I cannot see this. Modern-day fairy tales, besides what most every influencer is trying to convince us that their life is really like, I'm going to go with The Poison Within by Rachel M. Percy. Though there is a huge market out there for YA, the market for YA modern-day fairy tale retellings seems to be even larger, at least to me. And The Poison Within will have you thinking all day long that this has to be a story originating hundreds and hundreds of years ago takes the evil queen trope and messes with it quite a bit. Uh, it's YA, so what are you going to do? But if you read it, get at me. Let me know what you think. Now, with the finish line in sight, let us roll right into our next term, folktale. Sidebar and a little story here. When I was finalizing the actual name of this podcast, I really, really wanted to like colored folk tales. You know, visually, there were a couple things that I thought I could do with the split of a second word in the name. And to be truthful, something came out that said folklore on it. And when I first saw that, I was like, oh, son of a pup. But... My love of the folk and my love of the lore held out. Because it doesn't matter. Like, a lot of things can be called folklore. It ain't no big deal. It's fine. And here we are today. A folktale, like many of the other terms on this list, is more of a genre, being that a folktale is defined as a narrative that is verbally passed from one generation to the next. They're campfire tales. Just not, not necessarily involving a campfire. Since this is a subgenre, there can be a bit of overlap here, just as I'm sure many fairy tale study students are well aware of happens with a lot of these tales. So, a square may be a rectangle, but a rectangle may not be a square, Daddy-O. Get it? Get it? I, you, see, I am not quite sure you appreciate the deftness here. I mean, what is a math analogy melded with a self-deprecating nerd joke in the middle of a folktale rant. 
Nerdy things I've done today for 400, please. And for the three of you left listening, my choice of a classic folktale, I want to roll with Le Belle et le Bête, or more widely known as Beauty and the Beast. This can go down under both folktale and fairy tale. There's history here, my friend. This particular tale can be sourced to thousands and thousands of years ago. And animal bridegrooms, besides being a category in the ATU, was originally passed down generation to generation through oral storytelling. However, that magic, baby, is that magic. It's what takes us into the fairy tale realm, especially with the relatively commonly currently found happily ever after ending. Uh, Modern folk tales, in order for something to be passed down generations, you have to have more than one generation. So, super modern, kind of say nay, because we're still the living generation. However, I just gave Babe Ruth as an example, so come on. We're going to take some liberties. And speaking of that, Civil Liberties, produced by Northeast Indiana Public Radio, the PRX-distributed podcast Folk Tales with Julia Meek, specifically episode, I believe it's 163, is titled Folk Tale of Civil Rights and Liberties. Produced in conjunction with America's 2020 Independence Day celebration, Julia spends the episode taking a musical journey to define, and I quote, freedoms, and the fights for rights around the globe. To be real, I still can't listen to this episode. (laughs) Just, Just the introduction without tearing up. It's really, really cool. Folktales, much like many other forms of expression on this planet, can work wonders when delivered through a song. Rounding out our list, we have the second half to the second word of our own title, Lore. Lore is the accumulation of knowledge about something. Gathered in the classroom or in the field, lore is the body of work compiled about anything, all the way from an entire fictional multiverse, as both DC and Marvel have done too many friggin' times to count, to an entire non-fictional ancient culture. Lore is the collection of what we know about something of interest. Classic example of lore? Time life's Mysteries of the Unknown. Nah, I'm just playing. As much as that's awesome, what I really meant to say is the Library of Alexandria. Now, this is a little bit of a cheat, and I get it. I absolutely understand. If you don't want to count this or you feel like it doesn't count, that absolutely makes sense. This is more of a place than it is a thing. However, diving into the purpose of the Library of Alexandria, there were, contrary to popular belief, there were a ton of libraries around. In fact, actually was kind of the popular thing to do. Uh, Imagine that, being uh, rewarded and socially encouraged to have uh, knowledge here and there for everybody to access. So basically, every single major urban center would have some type of library. The Library of Alexandria stands apart because they were looking to collect knowledge of everything. So, I was up in the air about using this one, but I feel like it works. So we're going to go with it. Modern example of lore, besides Aaron Menke's very impressive body of work, can be found in Supernatural, the long-running CW series, which is about to wrap up. Actually, it's pretty sad. 
If you're a fan of the Winchesters, you know that you probably could play a drinking game every time they mention checking the lore, or researching the lore, or nothing is said about it in the lore. With as often as that happens, you'd think they'd keep their own journal, right? I mean, without their dad's journal, they'd been lost the whole damn first half of the show. But you know what? That is neither here nor there. And what is both here and there is that we've reached the final term on our list. The one to rule them all. Not literally, but more along the line. You know what? Actually, okay, without further ado, I'm just going to move on forward. So to review, we have epic, long, heroic, poetic, parable. Short story to teach an implicit lesson. Fable, short story that uses talking something-somethings to teach a lesson which it lists explicitly. Old wives' tale, yikes. Superstition gossiped through the ages, quite often, about health. Tall tale, purposefully outlandish story setting the narrator in the middle of a legend-type story. Myth, Detailing gods, demigods, and supernatural creatures that helped ancient civilizations use story to define existence. Legend. Detailing humans' historical deeds that may or may not have actually happened. Fairy tale. Story with magical creatures and elements. Folk tale. Traditional tale passed down orally from one generation to the next. Lore. The body of knowledge about a subject. And now. The chosen term for our name, the final category on the list. Drum roll, please. For real, you're not gonna give me. You're not gonna give me a drum roll. All you have to do is just plop. You know what? Whatever. Fine. Folklore. Once again, from thefreedictionary.com. Folklore, broken into two syllables: folk and lore. F, a macron above an O. K, apostrophe. L. A circumflex above an O, R, apostrophe. Noun. Definition 1. The traditional beliefs, myths, tales, and practices of a people transmitted orally. This sounds an awful lot like a folk tale, my friend. Definition 2. The comparative study of folk knowledge and culture. Also called folkloristics. Nice! <laughs> I love that word. I feel like there's a good play on words in there somewhere. Like, uh, I don't, I, got, I ain't got it. I don't got nothing. It's uh, like what the folklore. To this day, one of the best titles for a podcast I've ever heard. Check them out. They're pretty funny. What the folklore? Folkloristics. Mm, it's on the tip of my tongue. Number three, broken into two parts. Definition one. A body of widely accepted but usually spurious notions about a place, group, or institution. Hmm, that sounds like the evolution of our old wives' tale. Definition number two. A popular but unfounded belief. Straight up, that that is an old wives' tale definition. God bless. Additional nouns. Folklorist. What? what? Additional adjectives. Folkloristic. Folkloric and folklore-ish. That reads like a way to get it on the radio without having to bleep or skip the track. This folklore-ish. And also copyrighted the American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language, 5th edition. Copyright is in 2016 and held and published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt Publishing Company. So, 
As you can see, there is quite a bit of coloring outside the lines, some bleeding in between tracks here, with this being the literal textbook definition. Now, what might be a classic example? Hmm. You know what? Going in the direction of lore, I'm going to cheat here a little bit and say all of them, all, all of the tales. So we just read the definition, traditional myths, transmitted orally, study of culture, usually accepted but unfounded belief in just the definition of folklore alone. We see a good portion of the rest of our list, sometimes called out by name. You know, I like to think, and yeah, you know, I'm a little biased here, but folklore contains the stories of us, us as a people, us as a group, altogether, it's a species, the human condition put into words. So then, if that's the classic example, what's a modern example? <laughs> you guessed it. I'm going to, again, do a little bit of sleight of hand and say the rest of this podcast. That's what we're looking to show you each and every time you download an episode or stream an episode or simply just check us out online through our website or through social media. Every time you share, every time you promote, every time you suggest Every time you upvote, every time you recommend, you're helping further the reach of the folklore for our modern day. I know, I know, I know. I, I may out and out have lost a lot of you with this ending. It is a little bit of Saint Elsewhere type of stuff going on, but it doesn't mean it's not true. And we want to disagree, want to debate, want to find out what modern folklore may or may not be about... Go ahead and tune into our very first official episode when we start our tour of the world's colored folklore. Now, right off the bat, I know and study diligently a number of individuals who have dedicated their lives to defining what I just spent less than an hour talking about. These are infinitely, hyperbole, once again, these are very, very, very complex topics that I have gone over here today. And with all of my adult ADHD, terrible jokes, and pop culture references, and ability slash lack thereof, I could very easily have misread any one of these things, misresearched any one of these authors, and just flat out gotten wrong a lot of my points, a lot of my stances, and I'm sure all of my examples are debatable. See, I hope that it's not the case in me being wrong, or, or insanely wrong. I've worked very hard in trying to make sure that it's not the case. But, but if there is one guarantee in this world, above all, I will be wrong. I have been wrong before. I'll be wrong in the future. I have moments when I really, really appreciate being wrong because that gives someone the chance to teach me. I love learning. I love learning. I love stories. I love being able to combine the two. And for me, it has been a dream come true. So I apologize very deeply if any of this is incorrect. It's definitely not my goal. And please let uh, me know any of the corrections that you think or have or anything that's on your mind. And you can do this by emailing us at info at coloredfolklore.com. All of our socials have the handle Colored Folklore, or check us out at the website www.coloredfolklore.com. Thank you 
for your patience as we made a prequel deep dive into our name and our topic. Next time, we'll be coming at you for the official first episode of the podcast where we're taking our first stop on the choo-choo on the folklore train looking at the creation myths of sub-Saharan Africa. And our folklore fact will be coming from the same part of the world. We hope that everyone is doing well, that everyone is staying safe and healthy as they can be physically, mentally, spiritually, and know that we really, really appreciate you coming along and exploring the world with us. One of these days, one of these days, we're going to find Waldo or Carmen or Sasquatch or like when someone smokes too many cigarettes or like when someone shops too much with credit cards or like this is my terrible impression of John Mulaney's very good impression of Ice-T performing as Detective Finn Tutuola on Law & Order SVU. Or like when someone plays too many scratchy lotteries. Or like when someone eats too much chocolate cake. Or like, by the way, four levels of redundancy. Suck it, Kirk Lazarus. 